This is your host, Josh Sharp, and welcome to New Hope's Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we get a chance to talk about what didn't make it into the sermon this week and what our speaker would have liked more time to engage with. We'll also go over some questions that you might have had and generally just have a good time talking about what was on our speaker's mind. Today, we're here with Hannah Suter and Denise Douglas to talk about the sermon, Is the Bible Sexist? From our current sermon series, 10 Questions, Exploring Barriers to Our Faith. I want to take a moment real quick to apologize about the sound on the podcast today. We had to record remotely, and because of that, we didn't have good mics for the job. We ask for your grace in this, and we look forward to being back to normal next week. With that, we also strongly encourage you to listen to this podcast and these great women talk about this important topic. Thanks. Today on the cutting room floor, we have a few special guests with me, Pastor Denise and Pastor Hannah. Hi, guys. Hello. hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Um, if you could just, uh, I know some people in the church have, have met you guys before or got to know you. Um, I know you guys a bit, but like what's some, like I want you to introduce yourselves, but like also include something like something new, like, and that may be hard again, but like strive for this in other words like see what you can do <laughs> wow who's going, who's going first denise <clears throat> go for it i don't know so let's see josh something new well my family's been exposed to COVID. is is that new? No, that's, oh, that's exciting wow we're starting off with that <laughs> like, one huh i'm in the same <laughs> boat right now but yeah <laughs> there's the, oh, the newest thing on my mind uh let's see what else my 24 year old just moved back home for only two weeks so that's fun after two years but he'll and move he's, out he's again. headed down to the bay area from what i got the other day yeah that's as a great. traveling nurse so that's new right now let's see what else people might not know uh hmm i don't know how long have you been in portland or happy valley oh in happy valley about 17 years in the portland area 36 years or 35 been around a long time so grew up in colorado some people know that how long have you been uh, a pastor per se we'll dive into this a little more later but that's a big deal yeah since i was 23 so i think that's about uh yeah 37, 38 years. Okay. Okay. Like 12, 13 years, right, to me. It's, you don't know how shocking those numbers are. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's stunning. But anyway. Crazy. Yeah. So, uh, how are you feeling about the weather? Is it, what's your favorite season? Well, my favorite season, bar none, is fall. It's like, oh. way up just those, I love crisp mornings, the colors, the beauty, the smoke in the, you know, from fireplace, that scent. It's just, I love fall, period. Mm-hmm. I love football. I, fall. I grew up in the desert and you just don't like fall in the end all. You don't notice it either that it ever happened, but. <laughs> <laughs> what is fall in the desert? I yeah, mean, so how can you not like it? If it's like, even, I just, I, do the cactus fall over? (laughs) (laughs) I just grew up with like everything being like windy the whole time. So it was like hot, windy or cold, windy. That's all it was. That's, that's what I grew up in. (laughs) And what was, what was cold wind? Like how cold? Um, the real problem was, I mean, it would be like 60 or 70. The real problem was the wind chill factor was massive to that. Um, I remember being in one place one time and very vividly in my mind, like the rain was coming down almost completely like 90 degrees. 
Mm. Um, like it, there was nothing about it dropping from the sky. It was just smacking you in the side of the face. Oh, and gross. Totally different thing. Yeah. I'm such an umbrella person. Like I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and Happy Valley, Clackamas, Portland area my whole life. And people make fun of me for using an umbrella. And I'm like, they're like, you're from Portland. You're not supposed to use an umbrella. I'm like, I'm from Portland. This is why I use an umbrella. I know it rains here. Okay. That's, that's a really good point because like, as long as I've been here, nobody uses an umbrella. I'm like looking around, wondering what's going on. truly does. But (laughs) the umbrella doesn't work obviously when the rain is coming legit sideways. I mean, you can like hold the umbrella toward the rain, I suppose, but. There's something about it that just hurts your soul. Like it just bypasses all emotions and just hurts your deep core. (laughs) For sure. For sure. It's been a depressing couple of months. I mean, with just the gloom. Lately, yeah. yeah. Today, but we got today. some sun. Today, yes, yeah. you're right. Let's oh. let's focus on today. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it is All right. gorgeous. Like we get it for three days. So, so all that said, uh, uh, Denise, great, great to have you on. Uh, Hana, <laughs> if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe something new, that'd be good. Yes. Well, I mean, I already disclosed the umbrella fact, so that's pretty <laughs> crucial to knowing <laughs> me. That fair, one fair. That's right. Uh, Yeah, I have been at New Hope for, I came just a couple months after John, our lead pastor. um, Gosh, back in 2013, I think that was. Like seven, eight years now? Yeah. It's more than that. No, no, he didn't come in 2013. He came in 2015. Okay. Yeah, so I'm about right then. Yeah, about seven years, seven or eight years. Um, So yeah, I've been at New Hope through all the twists and turns um, that have happened and um, got to meet Denise through that a little over a year ago. Well, two years ago, maybe now um, with the merger that we did. Um, I am looking out right now on my garden and the garden this year because of the weather and also just my laziness. um, I let the weeds grow to like my mid waist. They were were intense. So just the last few weekends, I've been getting out there with my housemaid and boyfriend and trying to make somewhat of a dent on those. And so the only bummer is from the back porch, you can see all of the weeding that has been done and it's looking lovely and we've planted new things. Very nice, very nice. From my window, I see the portion of the yard that has not been weeded so i'm looking at <laughs> these are beyond half waist i mean these are these if i were to stand out there they would be up to my shoulders these weeds wow yeah. oh. they're really they're quite remarkable actually yeah that's it's, impressive in another it's right, like yeah. a jungle out there yeah so huh. that's a little bit about me is i have not kept up on my weeding this yeah. spring at all. Which which is surprising for you, I feel like, in, in previous conversations. Sure. You know, I'm really trying to let go of my perfectionism. That's another thing about me is mm. I was instilled with a deep value of perfectionism. And so this is a success story, actually. I love but it. I, have, I, have I love it. I love this twist. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Knock it out of the park with that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Now, this week, we don't have John, who actually preached the sermon from this last weekend um, on Is the Bible Sexist? Uh, But we are still going to do some things about that and talk about parts about that. But, uh, Hannah, is it possible for you to give us a recap of John's sermon, kind of of a quick flyby? It is, yeah. And, you know, I just listened to it actually today on our podcast because I wasn't there on Sunday, and I'm I'm bummed that I wasn't there. Um, John did a great job kind of walking through 
um, this topic and I think approached it in a really hospitable way for people from different you know, different perspectives or coming from different traditions of understanding around this question of is the Bible sexist, you know, probably wouldn't even be a question for those with a more um, complementary view, uh, perhaps, and, and those with who have, have been more wounded in this area or who have a, a, a more egalitarian view maybe would be more prone to ask that question. But that's a sidebar. Uh, what John first talked about was this idea of patriarchy, which is a word, at least in my generation, that's thrown out all the time as, you know, the root of all evil. Um, and, I, and I could catch myself talking like that as well. Um, but I think John did a great job kind of breaking well, he, that down. He did yeah. this largely by, I, if I remember correctly, when I was listening to it, like 10 minutes on The Handmaid's Tale. Like, this is true. Yep. <laughs> okay. And yep. here's my question, like, and maybe this is for the audience and, and those listening, like, should I watch this show? It seems really depressing to me. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it depends on what you're looking for in your life. If you're looking for some deep existential angst, um, you should watch it. I feel if like I'm in an existential those... crisis every day of my well, life anyway. You're like, <laughs> not in any more of that. I just there. <laughs> yeah, it's dark. It's, it's advertising. I, I just have, I yeah. can't. I didn't watch this last season, but I watched the first two. And oof, I'm not saying that I... Uh, am promoting it by any means but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a thinker it's for <laughs> sure a thinker well interesting okay anyway continuing on john's sermon that i derailed yeah. no that's good uh so yes what is the patriarchy um it's this idea that that by design men are well that maybe the christian idea of patriarchy would be that by design men are created to lead and to to govern over and to have a position of power over um, women and kind of all those in their jurisdiction. Um, in a maybe non, you know, not coming from a just a Christian perspective, but just the way of, that the world has been since humans have been here in, not in all, but in many cultures and, and areas of the world that, um, power is held, positions of power and influence are held by men. And um, there's biblical arguments that that is a way that God designed the world. But then as John got into in his sermon, um, talks about there are biblical arguments that the way of Jesus and the gospel is actually aimed at, at that, that, that patriarchy is not God's dream for humanity. I'm stealing that line from um, Sarah Bessie. I think she writes that. Um, which is always kind of makes me chuckle, but always is, is a really beautiful thing. Oh yeah, patriarchy is not God's dream for humanity, or at least that's what I believe and what I think John argued um, on Sunday. Especially yeah, if, this one, right? Genesis. Yeah. I mean, that's where we exactly that it was yeah. the God's dream. And, exactly. Yep. And that Jesus. I was. I was listening. To that if I remember right, John did it in about three arguments, like the mm -hmm. Genesis account. And what else? What else? What were the yeah, three? new creation argument, um, the re which is what we're talking about right now. Yep. That um, that Adam, which is the Hebrew word, which we usually ascribe to Adam, that God made Adam and then God made Eve. Um, but really, the word is human, and so from one human became two genders. Um, and the idea is that these two genders, side by side, working toward 
creation flourishing is God's dream, mm-hmm. not hierarchy, not power over or power under, but power shared for the sake of the flourishing of the world. Mm-hmm. So that's the new creation argument. And that in Jesus, we have an opportunity to be, uh, to be ambassadors of that restored creation. Okay. Um, the and then second, second, yeah, the second one. Yeah. The redemptive argument. Um, so John, you know, you can go back and listen to this in the last couple of sermons that John sent with, with it's a Bible kind of pro-slavery it's Bible sexist that the Bible, when the Bible assumes that something exists, that a, that a part of culture exists, it's not necessarily affirming it. Right. So it is taking what is there and sort of, uh, I think what does John call it? Seeds of transformation mm-hmm. that it, yes, it starts yeah. to plant these seeds of redemption and transformation in current context, context. So in a patriarchal context, the gospel does radical things within that context. And then over time evolve toward um, this, this uh, new creation or this, this re- redeemed creation. Mm-hmm. And then third, John talked about just, looking at women in the Bible, that how can we say that women can't be in places of leadership or power influence when women in the Bible are? And and he went through a long list of those women and kind of gave some examples there. Um, so those are the kind of the main three angles that were important to him. And I'd kind of forgotten um, how somewhat recently, you know, in the last decade, um, to about 10 years ago, that John really changed his mind. Um, about about this coming from a complementarian perspective, which is men and women are equal in value, but different in role and different in gifting by that, that the Holy Spirit only gives certain gifts to men and certain gifts to women. Um, and it just so happens that the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives men are the ones of power and influence. Um, but yeah, about 10 years ago, John shifted to a egalitarian, which would be Regardless of gender, the Holy Spirit gives gifts and expects us to steward and and share those with with the church and with the community. Yeah, I appreciate it. John has uh, towards the end of this these three arguments and stuff. He has this top ten list, and basically, I'm not going to go through the list. Uh, it made me laugh really good, actually. <laughs> and uh, go he listen had to the lot podcast. Of his, uh, clapping emojis on because I was on my passport, and you know, oh, everybody was clapping, especially for the. Top. That's that, good. That that's good. They were great. They were great. I loved it. So we're not going to do the typical cutting room floor aspect of this and be like, "Hey, here's John's notes, and we're going to talk about them." Because without John, that sounds really weird. So what we are going to do today is kind of talk about, uh, in some ways, some things that do hit the cutting room floor, and that's your guys' theological journeys to where you're at now. Um, You've had these lives, you went through school, you went through training, I'm sure there were crazy, horrible sometimes, sometimes exciting experiences along the way of becoming pastors and being pastors. Um, And so, yeah, I'm just curious in in the grand scheme uh denise or hana either of you can go first but yeah what is your story of that journey yeah i'm glad to start out there i um one of the things i like to say is that i grew up in a town where i could actually hear the call of god on my life for ministry and i know that's maybe we don't use that language as much anymore, but it's part of my culture and part of my story. So if you'll just, you know, I get that. Yeah. Hear it. However you hear it. And, uh, but I'll just go ahead and use it as a, as a teenager. I grew up in 
in this town that only had three churches, a United Brethren, United Methodist, and Church of God, and all three of those churches ordained women in ministry. Now, my church was the only one that actually had a, a co-pastor, husband and wife, who they were co-pastoring every sense of the word. She preached in the morning, he did at night, and then the next week he would do morning, she would do night. Anyway, so I was not looking for a call in ministry. It was not my heartbeat. No one in my family had ever been in ministry. But but I had this experience. I was president of the youth group and my pastors were going out of town and they asked if I would speak for one, you know, a Sunday evening. And so so I did my best. I put my sermon together. And afterwards, uh, somebody in the church, a man, a farmer that I totally respected, came up to me and he just said, you know, Denise, you're really you're going to make a really good preacher someday. And I just laughed. And I thought that was really funny. Well, that actually that's uh, so great to hear. That's that's amazing. In that instance alone to me. Right. There are not many, many men in that German church who would have come up and said that to me. Wow. But, but he did. His name's Ed Mock, and I will always be grateful for his influence. Shout in out for way. Ed. Yes, indeed. He uh, so I. I didn't I that began a little seed that was a seed planted and I in prayer that night even just getting ready for bed I just his Ed's words came to my mind and I just kind of laughed him off and I but all of a sudden it was a check in my spirit and I felt like God was saying what if that's exactly what I want you to do and it just it scared me to death and I didn't share that with anybody for a year I just thought it was just a really serious moment for me so long story short, uh, I felt a call before I really began to build a theology around women in ministry. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I was raised that it was um, not unheard of. Still a lot of pushback, don't get me wrong, uh, but I, I was able to hear God's call because it had been modeled around me. So I go off to college and here's here's where it really began for me to dig the deep, deeper work on this topic. I had only been uh, at college for about a week and this is Houston, Texas. So this is in the south. So it was a church of God school, but we had a lot of a lot of people from different uh, churches that attended the college. I walked into what was called uh, Pop's Place. It was like a snack shack. And uh, I went up to order and there were these five guys sitting at this table. And, you know, personally, I think they were just there checking out the freshman girls. <laughs> right. Right. <Yeah. laughs> and so they said, hey, you want to come, you know, get your Coke and come sit down with us. So I did. And, um, you know, of course, the first question is, well, what are you what are you going to study? What are you here for? And seriously, I had no I didn't know that there were all these huge church groups. I won't name them who did not consider that, you know, women could go into ministry. So I'll I name the ones I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> exactly. So I, in my 18 year old enthusiasm said, Oh, I'm going to, you know, study for the ministry. I'm going to be a pastor. And within 30 seconds, there were two honking Bibles out on the table and for an hour they grilled me on why that oh could my gosh possibly be you know what god mm -hmm. had spoken to me so you know mm -hmm. i was just thankful i held my own i didn't cry until i got out the door i stumbled out the door uh and here's why 
the part that hit me so hard is when because they're going through scriptures and they're talking to me and and so when I left there, my big concern is is I didn't want to do something that was against God. And I mm-hmm. thought, mm-hmm. oh, oh my word. And so, you know, I felt I could just open up to God and just say, God, if I have heard you wrong, if this is not uh, a path that I should follow as a woman, please reveal that to me. And so I did. That was the beginning of my theological journey to just dive into scripture, read every book I could get my hands on. Uh, I'll be honest and say as far and few between that I could find safe, even professors to talk to about it. Because mm-hmm. even though the God, um, I believe it, in theory, uh, ordains women and in theory promotes women in leadership my on the ground experience was really different than that. Even though my freshman year was a hard year, it was invaluable in the fact that I really nailed down that call in my life mm-hmm. and, and, and knew that I was on the right path, both biblically uh, in spiritual formation and, and seeking what I was seeking to do with my life. I felt God's affirmation all the way through. And it, so for me, it's not just a, a book thing or a study thing. And, mm-hmm. and all of that is super important, but it was a relationship thing. I, I trusted that God would, would reveal to me. I had no agenda. I didn't go in. I didn't decide I wanted to pursue this on my own. Um, so I could have, I could have let it go. I had a, I was dating someone my freshman year that I was just crazy over and it got to the place in our relationship and he just said, if you're serious about pursuing this degree and this calling, I can't do it. He said, I will have to break up. Oh, and, and, and again, that was a really uh, helpful thing because even though I was crazy about him to be able to, to I mean, it, it felt like he was asking me to cut off my right arm, you know, and mm-hmm. I wasn't going to do that. So it was, I mean, that was a part of me. So, so in some ways I'm thankful for the hardness of that year. Um, yeah. To, mm-hmm. It's, it's given me a lot of strength for 38 years. Now, um, out of curiosity, following mm-hmm. that, you, you get out of this, you, you go into the pastorate. What's it been like over the last 38 years of just dealing with this? Cause I'm sure again, as we've talked about sometimes in practice, people don't always agree with it, even though they claim it or whatever. So yeah. What's that been like for you? Yeah, you know, um, oh, I'm sure we could, I, we have a lot of story. I'll try to just pick a, a few. I think for, probably the hardest was that each church I went to, somebody always left because I was coming on. And so that was mm. hard, you know, and in each of the churches that I served at, I, I had a preaching role and that was where they drew the line. You know, it, it was okay if I was going to be Christian education or oversee small groups or work with children but that's not, that's just not what my role, um, where my gifts lie. So the first time I encountered that was in Chicago. I did an internship between my junior and senior year in college. And, uh, that was my first encounter. And I, I, that hurt, that was hurtful. I felt so bad that this now I have who, questions where this is in Chicago. Yeah. never mind, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> But this couple who had been part of this church and here I'm, and I'm just coming for the summer, you know, and, but no, they met with the lead pastor and said, if she's going to preach from the pulpit, we're going to leave. 
So, and sure enough, now not, I don't know, you'd have to ask John if that's happened at New Hope. I I don't know about New Hope because, you know, the craziness of COVID and size, and I don't know if people have left, but obviously New Hope has a history of women. Yeah, my, my understanding, and Hannah may even know better than me, um, but my understanding, it's been strongly egalitarian for a very long time. Again, I don't know how much in practice, but I, I do know that was a, a value to a degree. Yeah, so. yeah, you're right. And I had forgotten that for a moment. But I was the three other church gods I served at prior all every time. It's just I could count on it be one at least one couple was gonna leave because I Man. came. So that's and then I think to be honest though, the re, the churches I've served, I have absolutely loved serving the local church. And I was fine in that environment. The harder places for me were maybe branching out, trying to connect with other leaders in the city for a long time. I was not received well or accepted. So those are some of my experiences. Anna, what about you? What have, what have you experienced? Yeah, I mean, I definitely am still just embarking, you know, kind of on my journey. Just started teaching maybe three years ago now, four, three or four years ago. Just before um, COVID, if I remember right. Like, I remember we were doing mic yeah. checks with you. Like, I remember that. Yeah. I, the more I think about this and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got I it. Think, I got it. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, are you referring to the fact that I always dance before I preach? Yes, Josh? yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, you just got to get the juices flowing. You got to get the jitters out. Got to do a little backstage dancing so that's why miriam led the people of israel in dance (laughs) that's right that's right it's really good for your whole limbic system (laughs) i always i always had fun working with hana in those moments it was it was great (laughs) i'd like carrie samsel pick out the the song that i was gonna dance yeah 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 um yeah i grew up in a church that did not that was complementary and still is um and I did a gap year between high school and college where I went to Cape and Ray Bible College. And it was there that I heard that there were other ways of seeing that. I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, I wasn't like super limited in my, in the church growing up. They always, it was always put into, you know, places of leadership and youth group and things like that, which is always the kind of weird bait and switch at those churches. It's like, yeah, yeah and like women are totally encouraged or young women until their senior year of high school. And then it's like, as soon as you turn 18, like we no longer want you to grow anymore or develop like you've, you know, reached your, yeah, we have for. these two positions available for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was supported, you know, as a leader, um, in high school to a degree, but it was never, um, talked about kind of where those limitations would be drawn if I had stayed there. Um, but anyway, so I was at Cape and Ray and someone came in and did a talk on kind of these, I think it was like three or four different sort of interpretations of some of those key texts about, you know, I don't let a, a woman teach men, you know, those kinds of things, some of those things in the scriptures and different ways of interpreting them. And I was like, my mind was just sort of blown. Like one, I didn't even really know that that was a whole deal. And two, I didn't know that there were other ways of interpreting scripture at, really at all. Um, Cause it was my first exposure really to diversity. Um, 
so that was an exciting time. And then, um, but I think I probably would have had a more conservative perspective at that time, even. Um, I think one of the things I was really good at that my church taught me was to defend um, beliefs, uh, which is a good skill to have. I oh, just yeah, we grew have, up in that day. <laughs> yeah, I just also have a little bit of trauma around it. Like, like oh, the main thing of Christianity is not about defending your rightness. Um, hmm, yep. Good thing to think yep. about. Uh, and then in my undergrad experience, uh, there was a woman pastor um, named Sarah, and she has probably had the most significant influence on me in kind of discerning um, my my call and sense of desire in, into this world of ministry. Um, part because, you know, there was some mentorship that happened there, but part just through her living her life. And um, I just never had a, a, I never had a woman kind of model that never seen a woman teach in a church context. Um, and just the what way was that, that she... like for the first time for you to kind of come across that and see that. Yeah. Um, I think it was exciting, um, mostly. And then I would just be grieved when I would hear but kind of behind the scenes, usually young men talking about like whether or not they believed she should she could be doing that and it's just like what a pointless thing to, to talk about like well maybe it was obviously wasn't pointless to them but it just is so depressing that that to hear people give time and energy and space whether like arguing about whether someone belongs or not <laughs> yeah it's it's a weird hill to die on to me. Uh, yeah yeah i get the intention like what denise said like you know, you yeah. want to do the right thing and you don't want to disobey God. And, you know, so I, I get that intention, but the fruit of that pursuit is like being the ones who decide, decides on belonging. And that that's just too big of a burden for us to carry, I think. And it's just a sad thing well, to I be a part of. I agree. And I think, I think it was exciting and confusing in some ways, or just, I don't, I don't know what the word to use is, is that there are more than one ways to one way to interpret mm-hmm. scripture. I mean, you've got to dig in and, and do a variety. As of, much as I want to tell people they're wrong all the time. Yeah. Right, Josh? <laughs> yeah. Same here. But, but that respect that, yeah, that some people have grown up on a, in a church like that still are there still. That's the way they've been taught. That's the way they, they read the scripture. And I love it when minds are blown Mm-hmm. to to see bigger parts of scripture mm-hmm. to see how how scripture interprets scripture you have yeah. to use you know the um the whole word to interpret individual parts mm-hmm. of the word yeah yeah totally. so I think for me it was eye-opening when uh and this is something i think this was something i learned in the church of god uh that um sorry my mind went blank for a minute but just how that roles in the church are not gender-based they're gift-based for me, mm-hmm. that was super helpful because mm-hmm. we know that, uh, and, and we do, there's, even though John mentioned a ton of women in scripture in his sermon, which I was so appreciative of, there's, there's more, I mean, there's, you know, even more than, than what he talked about yesterday, women using the gift set that God had given them. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how, how, how people, um, why would the Holy Spirit give a gift and then prevent that person from using it you know just 
logically doesn't make sense. In fact, I think it's a uh, spiritual uh, oppression or, mm-hmm. you know, to disobey. Okay. Great. God's giving me this gift, but, but I'm not to use it because of my gender just as mm-hmm. I think a lot of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting thing yeah, to bring up. That is really probably the biggest thing for me in my journey. Like, I'm not really, you know, the, there's different personalities too. Some people are very, um, they, they, truth is very powerful them, to them through arguments. They're like kind of a buttoned up, um, you know, logical argument. That's right. not usually like what resonates most deeply with me. Right. Um, and um, the thing that probably, you know, one, seeing things modeled and just like kind of this, like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And here's God doing these beautiful, this beautiful ministry through these women, like, you know, that kind of messes with, with you and pokes holes and whatever arguments yeah. that might have. But, but probably the biggest thing for me, and I've shared this at New Hope several years ago, um, was the parable of the talents. Um, and really it's like a stewardship issue of like, like choosing to stay small because I'm afraid of, you know, in that parable, it talks about, um, well, I knew you were a harsh master. And so I buried my treasure and there's two things going on there. One, that servant's image of God was rooted in fear. And I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, maybe it is, but I don't think it's necessarily saying God is scary and to be, I mean, obviously scripture talks about fearing the Lord, but like to not be frightened, you know, of, 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 of God. But then the response to that is to, therefore I'm going to like bury my life and the gifts that you've given me um, because I'm too scared. And, and fear is a big thing that I deal with in my life. Um, navigating a big season of that right now. But I mean, I think of um, in first, first John, I think it talks about um, fear having to do with punishment and those who fear have not been made perfect in love. And it's like, if I'm doing things because I'm afraid of God punishing me or afraid of, you know, whatever, like, I suppose we could take that down all these different examples. And I'm not trying to get into all that right now. When it comes to stewarding my life and the life that God has given me, um, I, I, I guess I take that really seriously. And I've just sort of resolved in my life to not make decisions rooted out of that, like fear of punishment, but instead to make decisions rooted out of like God's love that builds courage in me, not timidity. And um, we see that in first Timothy that that's, that, you know, I don't didn't give you a spirit of timidity. I gave you a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind, you know? And so it, that almost feels like the more unfaithful thing to do is to like be, to be timid and to withhold my gifts because I'm afraid. Yeah, that's Instead beautifully of, said, Hannah. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. So that's kind of the angle for my journey that can t- continues to propel me forward. Um, but I remember walking with John um, bef- before John asked me to teach two years before I agreed because um, it created so much anxiety in me. I wanted to be a teaching pastor, but when then the opportunity arose, like all of these fears came up of what if, what if, you know, my theology was kind of there already of like, yes, I believe that I can do this, but it hadn't been tested yet. <laughs> and so when the opportunity came, it took me two years to, to get to a place of risking that. And I didn't even feel like peace in my spirit before preaching the first time, to be honest. Um, I was scared. Uh, and I remember walking with John Art on our coaching walks and I was like, what if I'm being disobedient by preaching and by 
Like, what if I'm wrong in my theology about this? And John was just like, well, God can come talk to me about that then. <laughs> um, which I think was just like, I didn't believe that I was Such wrong. Such a John moment right there. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I didn't believe that, but I was just a, like, but what if, you know? I know, right, and, right. Um, and it was just kind of that last thing of like, well, if I, if I am wrong, John will be in my corner, you know, um, which I'm appreciative that John kind of always holds me accountable to using my gifts. So I'm talking a long time about that, but that's kind of my journey. Yeah. Into, no, and I, re- well, I remember that first time too. Ministry. Yeah. I remember that first time too. And like all the staff, like rallying around you, like we yeah, all yeah. wanted to see you succeed in that. And I, and you did uh, for whatever you may think as, as you've gone on from that, but yeah. Um, I love hearing you preach and, and seeing you preach. And yep, so, yeah. Me too. And Hannah, that's a moment of celebration. I didn't know that, that, you know, that you took two years. I, what a celebration that you overcame that. I mean, that yeah. you did, you stepped in mm-hmm. and stepped up and many have been blessed because of it. So mm-hmm. that's a, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it always takes, I mean, that's faith right? We we can't, we can't have certainty, but we can have enough faith and conviction to take that next step, whatever that is. And that would be my encouragement, you know, to, to people maybe who are wrestling with this stuff too, is like, what is it that you're afraid of in this conversation? Um, what is it costing you to believe one thing or the other? And, um, what is the risk of faith that you might be being invited into um, in that? And I don't know about you, Josh, I, I, it takes faith to step into that pulpit every time we do. Oh yeah. I don't know if you haven't done it. It, it, it's pretty vulnerable, right? It, yeah. yeah. The weight of it is a lot different than when I've like taught a class on like you know Mm -hmm. audio or whatever like i just walk in talk a lot and i'm like yeah go read a book i could be wrong (laughs) (laughs) whereas um if i get up and preach that's there's a different weight on that Mm -hmm. stage and in that moment and with those people okay so with that said my my question for you uh we'll start uh this kind of a two-parter but I've had students over time um, that I've befriended and everything. um, And there were a few females that came up through my student ministry and wanted to go into ministry. And I was like, oh, like, I'm not stopping you, but I do want you to realize what's going to come at you. Um, And we had some sit down conversations with them um, on my end and just kind of preparing for them. Both of them ended up going into ministry, uh, which was great. I'm still in touch with one of them and, and things are going great. Um, but my, my question for you is how could you encourage other women kind of kicking around this process, maybe living in this process? Cause again, I've heard horror stories too of a woman in seminary and then she got up to speak and then all the guys left the room, like half the guys or whatever, or something like that. And I was just like, that is messed up. Um, so I I'll talk to that point here and I've got a question pointed towards that, but, uh, yeah. How would you encourage the women coming into this process and, and living in this process? Do you want to go first, Denise? Sure, I can. Um, I think just helping them explore and listening well to, to what they're experiencing, what, 
where, you know, where's God in the midst of, of what they're thinking and what they're feeling and, and just encouraging them to lean in there. I, you know, I, if they have that sense of calling, I would encourage them, I guess for me, I would encourage just them to walk as closely as they could with God and, and let God be their support. Yes, they'll have challenges, but it will be so rewarding. Yes, we can sit here and tell a lot of, and I yeah. could, I'm sure, you know, just more and more stories pop into my mind. But I also want to say, having done this for 38 years, it's been a great ride. I have, I've loved it. It's meaningful. Uh, so I would not discourage women because of the hard things. Every life has hard yeah. moments. Uh, sure. Do, I mean, do you want to be prepared? Sure. But I wouldn't, I don't, I don't think I'd start there. I'd, I would say that's, that's great. You know, it sounds like you're feeling um, a leaning and a calling into some type of ministry and just listen and explore. And, and mm-hmm. if they ask me, sure, I'm glad to share some hard experiences, but I hope that's not the only thing I would share. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a great ride. That's, that's great to hear that, that it, even with all that, and like we said, like it has been great for you and you're, you're sitting here happily sitting here and being here and continuing down this journey. So Hada, what about you? Um, You know, Denise, you posted something on your Facebook the other day that resonated with me. Um, And as you can tell, I have this theme of kind of faith and fear, but you posted something like, what if we gave people courage instead Um, of concern, you know, or, or just what if we gave those gifts to each other Mm -hmm. instead of, um, it was put much more poetically than that. And I wish I could, it's been a month at least, because I've been on Facebook for a month and it was before that, but yes, it had really stood out to me too. And and I felt guilty because sometimes I, I give people my, the darkness, the worry, the concern or whatever. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yeah. And just talking about, and there are appropriate times for that. We have Mm -hmm. to have those people that we share the hurt and the pain and the darkness with, but on a whole, is that what I'm offering every time I encounter people or am I offering the hope and the joy? Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. I would say something really similar to Denise of that, like where are those places of courage building? And I think one of my um, mentors talks about God as her best encourager and her greatest champion. And can I spend time with that best encourager, you know, and, and that can look like, you know, in a quiet time or a prayer time, but it also can look like who are those people that are really, that I discern, you know, are walking with Jesus and have the fruit of the spirit in their lives and um, listening for their courage in my life too, um, in, in their lives. Um, and the question is not whether or not a woman has a voice or something to say or, something to offer. The question is where and how, and what is that going to look like in their unique, beautiful life? Um, whether that's in direct paid ministry or different contexts. So I think just getting, having the sense of curiosity and awe of like, I'm a created beloved creature of God, like asking those kind of questions of purpose and not that we're just here to do and to produce, but to kind of get curious with God of like, who did you make me be? And, and celebrating that and moving toward that, um, whether that's ministry or just anything. Um, yeah. So uh, thinking through what you guys are saying and, and trying to summing that up and again, correct me if I'm, I'm missing the point here, but like seeking 
to encourage one another for, for those women in this process and seeking to find people that are going to encourage you in this process um, and, and be there to help build you up through it. Am I hearing that correctly in this? All right. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think, yeah, I think so. Not blindly, but with wisdom and yeah. Yeah. And I think I hear what I, and maybe you said this, Josh, I was thinking there was going to come a question. I didn't realize you were summing up what, sorry about that. But, but I think Hannah and I both really encourage because we've experienced encouraged to lean into our relationship with God, because that's where that courage so often comes from that strength that, you know, early, when I, that freshman year I referred to earlier, one of the things I felt like God taught me that year was when I thought I had to have this perfectly defended defense for the, like the five guys who, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted to be ready the next time. And, but really in a, in a, in a prayer time, uh, and I was in the Psalms, I can't even remember which song, but what the message to me was, I will be your defender. You, you don't need to defend yourself. God, kind of like, you know, John said for you, Hannah, you know, and that way you need those, those defenders in your life. And I, I just know that God's my defender in this. I don't mm-hmm. have to, I can relax about it. I don't have to have the perfect defense. I can just live it out and uh, trust God with it. And I think, uh, Josh, I think early on uh, in, in our talk, you said something about, you know, we need, women also need men that come alongside mm-hmm. and and encourage. And so I, I'm so thankful for the men that chose to do that in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, The more stories I've heard from, from you guys and others, I I'm realizing just how important that has been uh, Mm -hmm. to kind of, I guess I'll arguably counteract what also goes on. Um, And so, yeah, that was just something I always thought about that. I Mm -hmm. unfortunately saw. Yeah. I think what, can I want to add to that with the, like, how would I encourage men in this is, you know, whether we like it or not, we do live in a patriarchal world. And because of that, you have power to share and to steward. And one of the ways that that power can be stewarded is by, yeah, lifting up women and by believing in them and moving from a lens of suspicion and like, "Mm, do you belong? Can you be here to a lens of helping co-discern and support and provide opportunities for discernment around who has God created you to be and, and to look at women with the same potential that maybe men look at younger men. Um, because yeah, I think we need to move from like kind of a lens of suspicion and at arm's length to, to, wonder and and opportunity for women yeah 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 thank you for that i think i learned over many years and probably still dealing with it on time at times but like i learned to be curious even if i had my stance about the theology Mm -hmm. or whatever stance i had uh there's a lot of smarter people out there than me (laughs) that disagree on this topic and several of the ones we've been talking about Mm -hmm. therefore I, it's possible that I am wrong. It's possible that they're wrong. It's possible that it's way more complex than any of us even realize. So I will go into it with that kind of thought process and be curious about it. Um, I think deep down, my will is, you know, my will is to do right by God, to 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 grow closer to God, whatever that means. And if I'm finding that, yeah, that means I'm going to encourage women to become pastors. I will sit under them, all of these things then that's, I, I'm okay with that. 
Um, mm-hmm. I know some people are worried. Uh, I, again, I've talked with complementarians. I know that some of them are worried about that's a sin or, or this or that. I'm like, honestly, that's like the least of my problems. <laughs> I got to be honest, like uh, Hannah and Denise, you guys uh, I'll use the example in this sense, but it, it's better for me to sit under you than to, than to worry about that aspect in my life and mm-hmm. not deal with these other problems that I have. Ultimately, like I have other things to deal with. Mm. Um, and you guys have been more helpful to that. So I'm going to keep on that down that path. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have other theological reasons, but that experiential side has, has been one sure. of those things that have helped. Yeah. So. yeah, thanks for that, Josh. Um, so I guess one of the things I would ask as we're, we're coming to an end on this, and I don't even know for our listeners, for those of you still listening, Maybe you're you yeah, are on what's called <laughs> yeah. Maybe you are on the side of what's complementarian in this conversation, and you're like, I've been listening to this. I'm not buying any of it. I'm going to stay the way I am, and likely that's actually the case. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not dismissing that. But my question, probably for Hana and Denise in this, is what are some requests advice how can people and men specifically who are complementarian help and and be more encouraging in this process of maybe they're going to be complementarian the rest of their life but at the same time you know dealing with a, a woman pastor or a woman in power over them or whatever how can they be more respectful how can they be more helpful how can they be more encouraging even if you know they view it as wrong well i think one of the things that i really liked about john's approach yesterday is it was broader than this podcast has been today you know we, yeah. we specifically wanted to talk about women in the church moving into positions of leadership but you know i just keep pointing people back to jesus i don't think we recognize how radical he was in his time in connection with women how often he interacted with them, how he lifted them up, how, uh, I mean, that's the story that John used yesterday. That, it is, it is mind-blowing when we think about that culture and that Jesus allowed this woman to come and to, allows a, not the right choice, but he welcomed this woman's mm-hmm. coming to him and touching him intimately. And I mean, it could have been, it would, probably any other man that day would have been super embarrassing and they would have been angry. And, mm-hmm. and so just keep pointing people back to Jesus. He used women so often in his parables. I mean, he just, he was very radical. And so I just keep pointing people back to the way Jesus interacted with women. Yeah. I mean, he was extremely respectful with women uh, considering that day and age. It's one of the things I noticed about the woman at the well in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um just one of those stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a lot more to add to that, but I mean, I think of Philippians two, um, where it talks about just looking to Jesus who didn't come to, to serve, to be served, but to serve and mm-hmm. how he was willing to let go of his power and let go of his, you know, perfect relationship. Well, I don't know if that's the right theology, but like let go of his level of kind of communion with the father and to become flesh to enter in to serve like and then to treat one another like that 
and to see one another like that. Um, if we use our theology, if our theology becomes a stumbling block to be able to serving one another and seeing one another in love, um, I think that's probably a bigger problem. Um, I have those theologies still, or those, you know, like not necessarily in this, in this field, but in other areas where, oh, my theology is, is a stumbling block to, to loving this person and to serving this person and to seeing this person as a beloved of God. Hmm, maybe there's something to get curious about there um, because we know we're called to love one another. Um, and I don't think that looks about, looks like being the arbiter of whether or not someone belongs. Trying to always yeah. be right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think both Josh and Hannah, both of you have said that the, the word here is stay curious. Mm-hmm. The Colossian Way group, the small group that we just went through. That's a great know, example. It is. And, and, <laughs> and that is their number one. Uh, I think in lesson one or two, that's what they encourage people to do. Even as we are going to talk about all these hard issues and we're going to disagree about them, that's one of their first recommendations. Stay curious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep, rather than becoming defensive, stay curious. So I love, Josh, that that's what came to your mind. Mm-hmm. And yep, encouraging other men who are egalitarian to, to stay curious is helpful and wise. <laughs> Well, thank you. And thanks for listening. I'm going to kick it over to Denise to close us in prayer. Okay. God has been so fun today just to, just to be with Josh and uh, Hannah. And yet we know behind this, there are, there are women who have suffered because men can't release power and they're just unsure in so many ways. So I pray for, for the church particularly that we continue to lean in and really see you, Jesus, for the person that you are, and for the way that you modeled how to treat all people with love and respect. So thank you. Keep us curious, help us keep learning, and might we look like you as we live out this call in our life. Amen. Thanks for listening to New Hope's Cutting Room Floor Podcast. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check out newhopepdx.org to get to know us more.